Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Back at it here on Thursday, June 21st. Fantasy Baseball today. Here we go. Yesterday, we talked about a whole bunch of players who are underachieving, and they all achieved, not all, but many of them achieved yesterday. So we are the reverse jinx. I am Adam Azer. And he is Scott White. Hey, Scott. Hey, Adam. How's it going? You know, it's going well. It's crunch time. It's time to make some trades. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of names, buy low, sell high, that kind of stuff. Some players we're concerned about. And you're going to tell me if you agree or disagree. Got some obvious ones, but also some non-obvious ones to help the listeners out. I want to start with an email. Email of the day is from Mark at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Dear Jake, Rick, Roger and Willie. Those are a bunch of common names, right? No, they're very obvious. Jake, Rick, Roger, and Willie. Roger and Willie. Okay, one of them is a pitcher. One's a catcher. One is a center fielder, and one is a third baseman. They played for the Cleveland Indians. <laughs> oh, they, they're oh, okay, for major league. Yes, yeah. for major okay. league. Those yeah. those Cleveland Indians. Uh, was listening to yesterday's podcast, found it weird that the last three underachievers that you discussed were the last three National League MVPs. Bryce Harper, Chris Bryant, and Giancarlo Stanton. By this trend, should we avoid the NL MVP when drafting next year or trade the top candidates in keeper leagues right now? Okay. Well, the NL MVP is going to be, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Freddie Freeman? I don't know. I, that's, that's what's so interesting. I don't know who the NL MVP is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't, Arenado is always up all, there. First of all, I would still love to have these three players on my fantasy team. They're all in my top 20, top 25 at least. So no, I don't think, I don't think you should expect that to become a trend. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, uh, Stanton walk off home run last night. Brian and Harper, Harper got rained, uh, no, Harper did not get rained out. He just didn't do much. He had a rain delay. And Brian, think he had an okay game. Uh, but Altuve hit two home runs yesterday. Um, it was a good day for the underachievers, especially Jose Altuve. And that's kind of the risk of doing those types of segments. It only takes one day or one hot streak to change everything. So uh, hooray for Jose Altuve. Scott, let's uh, forget about yesterday's show and get into today's show and talk about our standouts. Who do you want to talk about as a standout from Wednesday's action? Uh, let's talk about... Let's talk about Frankie Montas, because I thought this start was the most impressive one, clearly. It was at San Diego, so we have to keep that in mind. But rebounding from a, a start against the Astros that seemed to be his comeuppance, they really, uh, they really did some damage against him, and we weren't really sure if those first three starts were sustainable. Well, he bounced back with a good start and did some different things in this start. He... Didn't go so fastball heavy. He featured his slider more through it about a third of the time, and it was a, it was a really good slider. Seven seven of his twelve swinging strikes, his season high twelve swinging strikes, came on the slider. So there's at least some reason for optimism there. I'm not rushing out to Adam everywhere, but this was his best start, I think. All right, that's Frankie Montas. He is 44% owned. He struck out six Padres in six and two thirds, one run, five hits, three walks. He has just 21 strikeouts and 33 and two-thirds. Now, there are some pretty interesting two-star pitchers next week, and he's one of them, Frankie Montas. He's at Detroit. He's also, unfortunately, home against Cleveland. Uh, you maybe can roll the dice. Uh, you know, he's got the same ownership as Freddie Peralta. Who would you rather own, Montas or Peralta? I'd rather own Peralta unless I really needed a spark specifically. Okay. And I will just tell you right now the uh this the two star pitcher that I'm kinda looking at. I know we usually save this for Friday, but Steven Matz, Pittsburgh and at Miami next week. Kind of interested in Stevie Matz. Uh yeah, I mean he's been okay recently. I I really don't 
I, I think Matt's without the slider he threw as a rookie is still just a, not a good pitcher. Well, he's probably going to get pummeled tonight at Colorado. So yeah. just relax. And so you, maybe that'll change your mind. No, it's not going to change my mind at all. <laughs> it, it, not even close. In fact, Mickey uh. Calloway said something like, when our guys pitch, pitch here, I'm just going to tell them, just forget about it. It, you know, it doesn't matter. And I, that's how I approach Coors Field stars for fantasy purposes. It doesn't matter what this guy does, unless he does well. Um, yeah, if, if you like Matts and he gets crushed tonight, you don't necessarily have to drop him. He's got two starts next week, Pittsburgh and at Miami. Alright, so, you know, you led off with Frankie Montas, and I thought that was kind of a strange place to, like, was he really the standout of yesterday? But it was that kind of day, and that was like, I had a pretty head-scratching standout. I want to talk about Michael Fulmer. We don't talk about him much. Uh, he's got this problem. Michael Fulmer has an ERA over eight in the sixth inning. Third time through Ooh. the order, opponents have an, uh, a 10-11 OPS. They have an OPS just over a thousand against Fulmer third time through the order. Uh, but I, I looked at his, his game logs last year and this year. I looked at when he's been good. I looked at the Brooks baseball data and it seems like there's a bit of a correlation between when Michael Fulmer throws his four seam fastball a lot, and when he's good. And this was a really good start for a while. He threw five and two-thirds scoreless innings. Then he gave up back-to-back home runs and ended up striking out nine, which tied a season high, I believe, but um, giving up three runs in five and two-thirds. And again, ran into trouble in the sixth inning. He's got two starts, Oakland at home and at Toronto next week. Now, Fulmer's 83% owned. Uh, I don't know what to do with Michael Fulmer, though, Scott. And, uh, you know, you, he throws he throws like 98 miles per hour. 97, 98 on the fastball. He should be better than what he's been. Uh, where are you on him, on Fulmer? I don't know that he's going to be better than he's been. I, he's, he's been this pitcher since he broke in two years ago where he, he's fine. You feel like there's the potential for more, but I just don't think he has a good enough, his secondary stuff is quite good enough to, um, to help him take that leap. Now, you said when it, when he throws his four seamer more as opposed to his two seamer, he's better. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's kind of like a Jamison Tyone thing there, right? And I think that's a pretty good comparison um, in terms of how we use them in fantasy. I I think Fulmer's pretty close to Mustone as this percentage reflects. See that that was my question. Like, do you or would you be okay dropping him for? your favorite two-start streamer in a given week, or like Jerickson Profar if you need a shortstop or something like that? I wouldn't say he's undroppable, but I do think 83% is close to right. And obviously with two starts coming up this week, those don't sound like the sort of matchups that would prevent me from starting Fulmer. I think you certainly hold on to him for right now. All right. Uh, we got a lot more to get to today. We got a lot of news, pitcher news. When are some of these injured pitchers going to be Coming back, I would like to tell you, though, about CBS Sports HQ. It's been a while since I've told you about CBS Sports HQ. They do have some fantasy content on there. So you fantasy baseball, fantasy football players, you'll get a lot of Scott, Dave Richard, Jamie Eisenberg, Heath Cummings, all these guys on CBS Sports HQ. What is HQ? Well, remember when we used to love SportsCenter growing up? We used to love just, like, highlights and news and scores without all this all these stupid opinions and talking heads all the time. That's what CBS Sports HQ is. It's just the way we we love uh, sports coverage. It's scores, news, and highlights. Biggest games, biggest plays, crucial insights from around sports. And we've got great analysts covering every major sport on CBS Sports HQ. So I watch on my Roku. You can watch online at CBSSportsHQ.com. But better yet, watch on... You know, your Apple TV, your Roku, your Amazon Fire, something like that. What you do is you download the CBS Sports app, and you can watch CBS Sports HQ on there. I think you're really going to like it. All the feedback I've gotten has been uh, very positive. So CBS Sports HQ, it's on the CBS Sports app. The other thing I want to tell you about is our newsletter. If you want some more uh, fantasy sports coverage, you go to cbssports.com slash fbtdaily. That is your daily fantasy baseball newsletter. It's got all of Scott and Heath's advice on players to add, on prospects. Uh, CBSSports.com slash FBTDaily. Very easy to get subscribed. CBSSports.com slash FBTDaily. And you don't have to pay. It's free stuff here. All right, the big news, Scott. Noah Syndergaard could throw a bullpen session this weekend. Johnny Cueto could begin a rehab assignment this weekend. 
You Darvish, according to Joe Madden, looked outstanding in a simulated game. So let's hope we get all three of those guys, Syndergaard, Cueto, and Darvish, back in the next few weeks. Michael Waka left with an oblique strain. Is there anyone that would theoretically fill in for him that would be interesting for St. Louis? Well, you know Jack Flaherty. Oh, wait, he's already been up for a while. Oh, oh Alex Reyes, right? Yeah. That, oh, no, he's hurt. Uh, suddenly, this surplus is... Yeah, I'm not, uh, I, I'm not counting on anyone making a big impact in place of Waka. They asked Ned Yost who was closing, and he said everyone is closing for the Kansas City Royals. Sounds about right. Yeah, so that means as of right now, nobody we Ev- like. Everyone and no one. That's right. Somebody sent us an email that said, actually, I'll, I'll look it up. It was funny. It was like, I've got this genius strategy. I'm just going to stream late inning relievers. Oh, here we go. So this is from uh Kyle. Thinking of a new strategy in head-to-head categories leagues, I'm thinking of streaming the best setup man on teams that play the Royals going forward, hoping for a few cheap wins late and game and late in games because the Royals bullpen is so terrible. <laughs> I don't think that's gonna work, but if it did, that is the most genius thing I've ever heard. Uh the coolest thing I've ever heard is this. Austin Biebens Dirks was the pitcher last night for the Rangers. Isaiah Kiner Falefa was the catcher. His first started catcher. That is the first hyphenated pitcher-catcher combo in MLB history. You know what I've wondered? Like, what's going to happen when the hyphenated name kids marry and decide to hyphenate their names? Are we suddenly going to go from two hyphenated names to four hyphenated names? I, You know what? I never thought about that. And now you've blown my mind. I have no yeah. idea what's it's gonna be. I, I, there's gonna there's gonna have to be a limit on it, right? Like, <laughs> like our, na- our name our names can't get like eight sixteen. Like it would double every time. <laughs> yeah, it would be, it would be, it would be like an exponent. Um, yeah. Odubel Herrera has homered now in four straight games, so he continues to be hot. We talked about him yesterday. And Brandon Morrow is on the DL with back spasms that he suffered while taking his pants off. That is true. Joe Madden <laughs> said he will use matchups in the ninth inning. So, what what do you think? Is there somebody to pick up in the uh, in the Cubs bullpen? For I actually picked up uh, Sergio Romo in, in, as a Morrow owner instead of looking at a Cubs reliever because I don't know how long this is going to be. First of all, and I do think it's going to be pretty matchupy. What do you think? First of all, is this injury more or less embarrassing than John Smoltz going on the DL because he tried ironing his shirt while wearing it? That happened. I'm- I didn't know. Oh that. yeah, that happened. Yeah, uh, that's the worst. That's the worst thing I've ever <laughs> yeah. heard. Yeah. Uh but this is, you know, run of the mill daily, put your pants on, take them off, do it every day, and somehow you hurt your back. I don't know. It's got to be a committee and uh, I mean Madden has said as much. And considering we're looking at potentially a minimum DL stay, it's hard to get excited about. It. I would guess Pedro Strope plays the lead role because he's been effective for a long time and has been the designated eighth inning guy with Carl Edwards out and uh, throws right-handed. But also Justin Wilson and Steve Ciszek, who both have closing experience themselves, they're they're also going to be in that mix. Yeah. I mean, the Cubs might – they might not get a save chance while Morrow's out. So it, it would t- you'd have to be in a pretty desperate situation, I think, to really make a play for these guys. And then I did a Twitter poll actually uh, sort of in the, in, what's, in the vein of what Scott said – which injury is more embarrassing? Brandon Morrow goes on the DL with back spasms, which he suffered while taking his pants off, or Hunter Strickland goes on the DL for breaking his hand while punching a wall. Hunter Strickland is currently leading fifty-one percent to forty-nine percent. So that's I guess, close. but that's happened several times, and just in recent history, guy breaks his hand throwing a tantrum. Basically, that happens. LeBron James. Uh, I've, I've never heard of this happening before. No, I would have voted for Morrow. Maybe fewer, maybe players are reticent to admit it. I also I did a Twitter poll, um, that's really surprised me. Settle a debate between me and my wife. Which fruit is better? Mango or pineapple? What would oh, you- pineapple. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm Far on, and away. I agree, but I thought mango was gonna win because people are really snooty. Mango is the best. And I'm like, mango is fine. But pineapple crushed it. 2,600 votes, pineapple had two thirds of the vote. 
So I was very pleased by yeah, that. Pineapple, fr- like mango's like a muted peach. Like it's it's there's <laughs> yeah. just not enough flavor there. And I found out recently I was taking a tour somewhere, and the tour guy said tour guide said it's related to poison ivy. And for some reason, that kind of ruined the experience for me. I imagine eating poison ivy, which just, of course, seems like a miserable experience. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't iron my shirt while it's on me. And let's look at the bullpen. Sam Dyson got crushed yesterday. He gave up four hits and two runs in two-thirds of an inning. So that wasn't very good. He's 20% owned. Ryan Tapera is 26% owned. Is there any doubt that you would rather have Tapera, who got his fifth save yesterday, over Sam Dyson? Yeah, there's doubt. Okay. There'd be, there'd be less doubt if Sam Dyson didn't nearly blow the save yesterday, gave up two runs on four hits, and, uh, got bailed out by... Reyes, oh, what's... Monto- uh, Mor- Reyes something. Ray, uh, I have it in my notes here, but I can't read it, so that was very useful. Me too, I have it in my notes and I'm wondering if I spelled it wrong, cause it seems like an mm-hmm. unusual last name. Reyes Moranta. Oh, Moranta. I did have... Oh, I had Mortona. Yeah, I knew I spelled it wrong. Moronta. Well, who would you okay. rather have, uh, Tapera or Dyson? There, I think today Tapera could change tomorrow. Like, Tapera, I don't think he's good, but I don't think anyone in the Blue Jays' bullpen is good. And I don't think, I mean, it's pretty obvious that Roberto Ozuna isn't coming back anytime soon. So it seems like a more permanent situation if Tapera can just hang on. All right, would you rather have Tapera or Zach Britton? Britton's 64% owned. He walked three in his first appearance. Since then, he's been really good, hasn't given up a run. One hit and four and a third, five strikeouts. He's not the closer yet. He pitched the eighth, and Brad Brock got two outs in the ninth. Uh, but would you rather have Britton or Tapera? He's going to be the closer soon enough. I would much rather have Britton, even though his supporting cast is going to uh, to limit his upside. Greg Holland, keep an eye on him. They signed him to be the closer since coming off the DL. Two innings, scoreless, no hits, no walks, four strikeouts. It's probably got a ways to go, but keep an eye on Greg Holland. Uh, Sir Anthony Dominguez, he had pitched three of the previous four days. He did not pitch yesterday in a save situation. Adam Morgan got the save with two outs. He came in to face a lefty. Victor Arano started the inning, gave up a hit, got one out. Phillies bullpen, you whatever. And Ken Giles pitched the ninth with a 5-1 lead, so a non-save situation, but he pitched a scoreless ninth, gave up a hit and a walk, also a strikeout. All right, it's time for some trade talk. After I read this email from Taylor. Taylor said, Adam, I just want to thank you for getting great sponsors for the show. I got tickets to see the Pirates game tonight for $7 using your promo code TODAY. And that is about seeking, and that is a real email. I never, obviously I never make those things up. So unfortunately for Taylor, the game got rained out. But fortunately for Taylor, he does have a $7 ticket to use at some point. And he got 10 bucks off with the promo code today. Taylor could have gotten 20 bucks off. I'm assuming he's already used the promo code FANTASY. Because if you use the code FANTASY, you get 20 bucks off your first SeatGeek purchase. If you use the code TODAY, you get 10 bucks off MLB tickets. And take it from me because I use SeatGeek all the time. I use it mostly for sports. It's typically what I go to. But baseball, football, I've used it for college basketball, for college football, so many events. It's super easy. I've also used SeatGeek for concerts. You can use it for comedy and for theater. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. You ever need tickets? It might not be on on the top of your mind right now. But when that time comes, download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first purchase or the code TODAY. For ten bucks off baseball tickets, Scotty, ready for my wonderful world of trade candidates? Oh yes! All right, here we go. Chris Archer, buy low. Now he's on the DL, so that's a little scary, but I think he's going to get traded. Now here's why I'm on the fence. He's been so much better at home than on the road, so getting traded probably is not a good thing. But well. he's he's also been terrible at. This is three straight years now. At Yankee Stadium, at Camden Yards, at Fenway Park. Really, really bad. I would really love for Chris Archer to leave the AL East. I would love for him Mm -hmm. to go to a team with a better win probability. Uh, I'm going to call him a buy low, but if he goes to a hitter's park, I think he could be in some trouble. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, it's it's a shame the Giants aren't really in contention. Maybe the Dodgers. Yep. 
Um, Mariners would be fine. Yeah, okay. I, I mean, he, like, he's a buy low anyway, just because he is on the DL and because he wasn't pitching up to his usual standards before going out the DL, but started, seemed to be beginning to turn things around. Yeah, I think he's, I think he's a buy low anyway. And then I have two obvious guys, but I think it's just, it's worth mentioning again. Carlos Santana and Brian Dozier. Now, I told you about this with Santana, like a month ago or so. I said, buy low on Santana, but wait until, you know, around this time, late June or so, because it, it he usually is bad for three months. And then he went on this tear, and I look like an idiot. But since then, he has cooled off again. But Carlos Santana has the sixth lowest BABIP in baseball. He has his highest walk rate since 2014. He has his lowest career K rate. Santana's going to be good second half. He always is. And Brian Dozier's the other guy. And, and the thing with Bo- Dozier is that you really have a chance of getting, like, a top five hitter uh, if he does what he seemingly always does and just goes bananas in the second half. Certainly happened the last two years. So I would, yeah, I've been I've been reluctant to downgrade him in any way, even though it's been disappointing so far. Yeah, would like to see him get Carl- back to the leadoff spot, but, right, but, you know, we'll, we'll take baby steps with uh, Dozier. Did you mention that Carlos Santana, just as he is, is the fourth, number four first baseman in points leagues? I, I didn't. Uh, it's a big difference between his value in, in head-to-head and roto, and that's true even when he's hitting for like a normal batting average. But already in points leagues, I, I did a recent uh, trade chart. My last trade chart was for that format. And... uh I was surprised how high I ended up having to slot him just because, I mean, he scored a lot of points. And uh, 55, 55th overall is where I put him in points leagues. Has he scored a lot of points or has everyone else just scored a few points? Because I look at his, his game log or his weekly. If you go to a player's pay, uh, player page, either on the fantasy site or on the media site, it's like cbsports.com slash MLB slash players. It's a really cool feature that helps me out a lot, actually. You just look at their... Weekly point totals, and Santana has had like two or three weeks with with twenty fantasy points. So I'm just wondering. But it's g- consistently high, which is what I love about those walk guys. For just among all hitters, he's thirty second in points leagues this year. Yeah, and that's crazy. I mean, that's that's wow. It's not really like, like honestly, it's not that consistently high. Thirteen, fifteen, thirteen, fourteen, eleven, eighteen, forty two. 12, 19, 12, 21, 14, and he has 13 fantasy points this week. Well, the 42 is nice. 42 is pretty nice. Walk guys versus non-walk guys. What was the lowest of those? 12? Like, uh, you don't 11, see those. Yeah. yeah. You don't see those four to six point weeks you see for the non-walk guys that'll just kill you. So let's talk about, uh, sell high candidates. A little bit more interesting, I think. Scott, I think Glaber Torres is a sell high candidate. You know, the one thing that gives me a little bit of hesitation is that he has hit fifth and sixth in his last two games. You know, when he was batting ninth, it was an easier call to say sell high on Glaber Torres. But look at what he's done. He ha- he really just homers. And his walk-to-strikeout ratio is bad. 13 walks, 50 strikeouts. He's had six doubles in 51 games, only two steals. He doesn't really do anything but homer. And if they, those go away, 25.5% home run to fly ball rate. I don't know what you got with Glaber Torres. And quite frankly... Because he's been batting low in the order, he hasn't been as good in fantasy as he has been in real life. He has a 900 OPS. Uh, I'm, I'd be sending out some offers. I don't own any Glaber Torres, but I'd be looking to make a move. If you're legitimately selling high, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I Particularly the plate discipline, I would like to see better from him. But this is, this is just getting him off the waiver wire was such a huge victory for for your team that whatever trade you make with him, you'd really need to cement those gains or else you're forfeiting that victory just out of fear. Like, he has an elite line drive rate, so I don't think it's a case where he stops homering, he's going to be hitting 240 all of a sudden, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, he should be a high BABIP guy. Okay. Uh, Brandon Crawford, sell high on him. He is hitting very well against lefties this year, 852 OPS. His OPS against lefties the previous three seasons, 716, 713, 661. Brandon Crawford reminds me of Corey Dickerson from last year, who was doing really well against lefties for a while, and then he had a terrible second half. Um, three, I, I don't, I think I mentioned the 370 Babip, so he's super high for Brandon Crawford. I, 
I'm sorry. I just don't buy it with him. He hits too many ground balls for me to buy him as a home run hitter. I think he's going to be dropped fairly soon. So get what you can now for Crawford. Yeah, that's. I think that's fair. Like even even as good as he's been, it's surprising he's not higher in the shortstop rankings. Okay. All right. So goodbye, Brandon Crawford. Then this is the last one that I struggle with this one because I I could see him as a buy high. He basically has the same exact slash line he had two seasons ago. Evan Gaddis. Yeah, number one catcher in fantasy. Two years ago, he was the number two catcher in fantasy. And like I said, he basically has the same slash line. So, what do you think? Would you try to sell high on Evan Gaddis or just hang on to him? I mean, here's the thing. You trade Evan Gaddis, who's your catcher, after that. Like, it's almost certainly going to be much worse than Evan Gaddis, even if you think... Uh, Gaddis's numbers have like he's been so hot they've gotten to a point where he obviously can't live up to them and I don't think he's going to be the number one catcher I have him in my top five but he's the power's legit like you said the slash line is only now what it was last year because he was off to such an awful start so I don't think there's going to be a huge correction and uh he plays close to every day since he's more of a DH than a catcher I'm not even sure he's played a single game at catcher this year but obviously that playing time advantage at that position, we've talked about it with John Hicks, it's huge. Evan Gaddis has it, and he's a more productive hitter than Hicks. So a top five seems fair to me. Okay. And uh let's I don't have any buy highs. So forget them. But I do have a few players that I'm actually concerned about, and they're similar. Daniel Murphy and Madison Bumgarner. You know, Murphy uh just kind of feels like Adam Eaton right now. He he came back at the start of the season, and he wasn't 100%, and he went back on the DL for a while. Murphy's not 100%. He's not really hitting. You know, I I wouldn't I wouldn't trade for him, put it that way. And then Bumgarner, the stuff's getting better, he said. The velocity's going to keep creeping up. I just look at what he did after the shoulder injury last year, and it was good, but it wasn't great. So I And also, I think he could get traded. And lose that home field advantage. Not that that's been a huge, you know, huge deal, but it's not a bad thing to pitch in San Francisco. Um, yeah, Bumgarner, I'm thinking maybe is a number two starting pitcher rest of the season. I'm not ready to commit to that, but it, it seems, it, it certainly seems possible to me. Yeah, I agree. He wasn't the Bumgarner we've been used to seeing once after returning from the injury last year. Uh, he wasn't a strikeout per inning guy. The Giants, you know, they're not a great team, which also hurts him. But at the same time, like once he gets his legs under him, you know he's going to pitch a ton of innings. And that is so valuable in this current landscape that I don't think he has to be exactly who he was two, three years ago to still be close to a number one. Tell me if you're more concerned about these players going forward or optimistic. Cody Bellinger. I'm optimistic. He still hits the ball hard. He still elevates it. And it's not like his strikeout rate has gone crazy here. I think it's actually it's almost the same as it was last year. I, I'm optimistic. Justin Turner. I think the biggest concern for Justin Turner is Max Muncy. Max Muncy's been bouncing around all over, but he's been the Dodgers' best hitter this year. They're making a point to keep him in the lineup, and it's happening at Turner's expense still the most often. Like I feel like in terms of production, Turner, there, there's not really any red flags being raised here. He's still, I think he's walked more than he struck out. Um, the batted ball profile still looks very good. It's just he hasn't, the, the home runs haven't shown up yet, so... Uh, that makes it easier to keep him out of the lineup. And how about Edwin Encarnacion? I could throw him as a player I'm a little concerned about. He hasn't, like he had a, a nice stretch. He went crazy, hit three home runs in five games, had a bunch of multi-hit games. This was late in May. In June, and even into early June, I mean three home runs in the first three games of June, but overall in June, Edwin Encarnacion is batting 214 with three homers. He hasn't homered since June 3rd. Seven walks, 12 strikeouts. Um, I guess that's good, but 
strikeouts going down a little bit, but uh, Edwin Arcanacion, are you more concerned or more optimistic? I'm, I, I guess maybe I'm more concerned. He's 35. This is, since he became a good player, far and away his, I mean, even before that, far and away his worst strikeout rate, which is often tied to age. Uh, it's bad walk rate too, by his standards. It is a 253 Babbitt. So, I, I don't, I is don't think he's just gonna be a 230 hitter all year. But I, I'm a little concerned that um, the age decline is beginning. Is that a low Babbitt for Encarnacion? Because he's usually like a 250 hitter. Or, yeah, I don't know, what, that's, 270? That's that's a good point. It is a little low. It's not as low as, yeah, I mean, he's his career Babbitt is 272, which is which is low. Um, so that puts that 253 mark in perspective. Okay. And then the last guy, I actually think we could throw him on the buy low list, so you tell me what you think. Anthony Rendon. He's really coming out of it, just not homering. Um, so we'll put him on underachievers day, and he'll hit two home runs today if they play. <laughs> but, yeah, what do you think about Rendon? More optimistic or more concerned about Rendon? So I had, in points leagues, I had Carlos Santana 55th overall, and uh, Rendon, that's his better format too. I have him 48th overall still. So I've moved him down a little, but clearly I think there's better days to come also. Yeah. He's going to be a solid player. Just you'd like to see him hit more home runs. He hit 20 home runs two years ago. He hit uh, 25 home runs last year in 147 games. If he's a 20 home run hitter, it's kind of a, this is a concern I brought up going into the season is what what's he going to do in categories leagues, Anthony Rendon? Because he's mm-hmm. probably not going to thrive in anything. Maybe the runs plus RBIs, you know, just the counting stats would be really good. But he's not a base dealer. He's not going to hit 300 or anything. So one of these solid all-around players. Uh, but, yeah, we still think better things are to come for Anthony Rendon. And and in points leagues, you know, definitely buy low because the play discipline's so good. And uh, he'll he'll thrive there. All right, some news and notes. Scott Franklin Barreto has started three straight games for the A's, and he homered at San Diego yesterday. Do you have any interest in Franklin Barreto? No, he's he's only up while Matt Chapman is out. They have Jed Lowry playing third, and he just—I mean, his his numbers at AAA the last couple of years just haven't gone the way you want them to go. Ryan Braun having cryotherapy on his thumb, but he may not miss much time. He's had this procedure several times. Chris Taylor left with a hamstring injury, expects to be back in the lineup this weekend. Rugnet Odor was back in the Rangers lineup, and he homered. Jerickson Profar played third base. Adrian Beltre DH'd. And Trey Turner batted sixth once again. I, I would guess that's the Rangers' normal alignment with uh, with um, with Elvis Andrews back, because Profar had been playing shortstop, and you wondered, are they going to bump Rugnet Odor? I don't think they need to, because they, they seem... They seem uh, more than willing to play Beltre at DH to keep him healthy. And uh, they they seem okay with playing Shinsuchu in the outfield now, too. Scott, let me tell you something, buddy. I knew when I completed my draft last night, I knew I was going to win. And not only did I win, I destroyed everyone. You have to understand your slate when you're playing on the draft app. And last night's slate was interesting. It was a seven-game slate, but you had a game in Coors Field, and you also had the Yankees, Red Sox, Astros and Nationals on the schedule. So you had a ton of offense that you didn't have were a lot of reliable pitchers. So usually I wait on hitting. I took uh, Arenado, I think, with my first pick, and I took Charlie Morton with my second pick, and I still ended up with Jose Altuve, Brandon Nimmo, and George Springer. Altuve, Arenado, and Springer combined for four home runs. I destroyed the competition. And you might say, Adam, you don't win that often on draft, but here's the sweet thing, right? I play in five-person contests for a dollar each, and if you win, you win 450. If you win one out of five contests, you're doing fine. You're up 50 cents. So, you know, obviously you want to be up more than that. You can play for more money. You can play for a buck if you want, but you can play for a lot more money if you'd like. And it's really, really fun, especially when you win. It's such a great feeling to know that you just nailed it. And I just, I had that feeling yesterday. I was like, I'm going to win draft today. And I did 97 points, second place at 56 points. So you want to get in on the fun. You want to enjoy yourself. 
play some draft. Play more fantasy baseball. Play every single day on draft. As many drafts as you'd like. Get a new team every day. And uh, you do snake drafts, and it's great. Here's the offer code. FB today is the promo code. FB today. When you make your first deposit, use that code FB today, and you will get a free entry into a real money draft. Again, the code is FB today on the draft app. That will also get you following me automatically, and we can compete against each other. So we got a lot more from yesterday. Here we go. Also going to read some emails later. But uh, to tease what's coming up, uh, well, four more walks for Charlie Morton. That was interesting. Another bad start for Jake Arietta. I'm just gonna I'm gonna say this now and let Scott react later. Jake Arietta is droppable. Let Scott react later to that. See how he feels about it. <laughs> um, Jake Junis is kind of interesting. Felix Hernandez done very well against the Red Sox and Yankees in his last two starts. But let's start with three up. Yadier Molina, Jed Lowry, and Jason Kipnis are three up. Molina homered yesterday, twice. Excuse me, two for three with two homers. And uh, his numbers look really good right now. He's got a 478 slugging percentage. Molina was a top five catcher last year with a 439 slugging percentage. This year, he has the same batting average as last year. Nearly identical OBP, but he is slugging 49 points higher. Uh, Jed Lowry maybe coming out of his funk. He's been terrible for about 40 games, but last five games, nine for 23 with two homers and two doubles. No walks, one strikeout. And Jason Kipnis has two home runs in his last three games. Scott, Molina, Lowry, and Kipnis, three up. Molina's the only one who I value that much, to be honest. I mean, he's a catcher. He obviously has a very consistent track record. I I think he's must-start. Jed Lowry, you talked about it in terms of a funk. He still has a 333 BABIP on the year. That would be, uh, looks like a career high for him. So, like, he, he had, he was due so much correction and it kind of all happened at once. But I don't think, I don't think he, we're going to see him bounce back to the level he was early in the year, the level that had him, uh, being a must-own player. And leagues that don't have a middle infield spot, he probably doesn't deserve to be owned. Jed Lowry actually got dropped in our Roto League, which has a middle infield spot and has 30-man rosters. And he got dropped before this scoring period, so I'm sure the owner who dropped Jed Lowry is pretty angry right now. But don't worry. Like, I don't think you made a mistake, owner. He's 86% owned. Jed Lowry is very over-owned. And I'm not picking him up. I I, I mean, I could have picked him up, but I'm just not doing it. He's bad in category. He's, he's not a standout in any category. And, right. um, and yeah, yeah, Points yeah, League is a like better that. format, but those lineups just aren't generally deep enough for you to need somebody like him. Right. That's it's That's that. That predicament again. And it's funny because, yeah, 86, he might be the most overown player. He probably entered the season as the most underown player. I think he was drafted in 11% of leagues, which seemed crazy then. Uh, but we just, we just can't seem to get it right for Lowry. Would you rather have uh, Yadier Molina or Yasmani Grandal? Uh, I would rather have Grandal. It's close though. They're in the same tier. Would you rather have Jed Lowry or Jason Kipnis? Lowry. Kipnis, forget him. Yes. Yeah. How about Lowry. Lowry or Cattell Marte? Lowry. Really? Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I don't know why I'm so surprised. Uh, alright. Three down. Ozzy Albies. Three down. Entering yesterday, uh, since May 1st, Albies is batting 223 with seven home runs and three steals. But no steals since May 15th. And May was okay for Albies. June has been terrible for him. He's batting below 150, I believe, or right around there. Um, with two walks, 12 strikeouts in June. Kyle Schwarber. Why is Kyle Schwarber in three down? He's had a nice year. Well, despite him having a pretty nice year, 243 with 14 home runs and good plate discipline, Kyle Schwarber is the number 41 outfielder in points, number 43 in Roto, and he's 94% owned. He's another guy that's probably... Overown unless you think things will get better for him. And Mitch Moreland is going all Mitch Moreland on us. We knew this wouldn't last. He's been really bad in June, batting 237 with two home runs. Seven walks, 16 strikeouts, one double. Mitch Moreland, 65% owned. So, Scott, Albies, Schwarber, and Moreland are three down. I am a little concerned about Albies. I think you have to be. I mean, he has a 293 OBP for the year now, which is bad. 
any way you slice it. Uh, it's kind of been like Gleyber Torres. All he's done is hit home runs. I'm heartened when I look at Francisco Lindor's month-to-month breakdown last year because I think it was a very similar situation where power last year for Lindor, I'm talking, power, the home run power was um, so much better than we ever anticipated it would be, and yet it, it seemed to be at the expense of everything else. And those middle months were pretty disastrous for Lindor. He had, uh, you know, he hit 214 with a 600 OPS in June. He had a 763 OPS in May. Uh, but then he bounced back strong. So, like, Albi still isn't striking out much. I have to imagine the BABIP is low. Uh, it's, it'd be weird to call him a buy low because I still think he's, I think he's probably what, the second or third highest scoring second baseman to date. Third in points, fifth in roto. But if his owner's panicking, yeah, he has only a 258 Babbitt. If his owner's panicking, it might be it might be something you can capitalize on. All right, that's Ozzy Albies. Uh, Schwarber, do you think he's over-owned at 95, 94%? Yeah, I do. They just don't play him enough to, to to justify that ownership. And if somebody dropped Mitch Moreland in one of my leagues, I think only the deepest formats I'd be looking to pick him up. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy who looked at all the batted ball data, and it wasn't so obvious that he was overachieving when things were going well. It's just knowing his track record. Yeah, that's what uh, it is. Yeah, like even now, like Babip's fine. Eh, he, he, the ISO is just so much higher than usual, and yeah, it didn't it? Wait, he's 32 years old, so that seemed unlikely to continue. Oh man, I just saw another thing about Albies that is concerning to me. Gosh, the, Albies is really good against lefties. So I looked at his latest stretch, like ha, have they just not faced a lot of lefties? They faced three in a row. Um, they've faced four out of five. And from May 25th through May 30th, I guess they had a double header in there. They face six left-handed starting pitchers in seven games. So it's not even like, well, Obby just needs to face more lefties. No, it's he's just cold. It doesn't really change what Scott said, but just wanted to throw that in there. All right, rotation time. Six-man rotation from yesterday. We got, I'm going to save time for emails, by the way, so stay tuned for that. Charlie Morton. So look, uh, no runs, no earned runs. One unearned, two hits, four strikeouts, and six innings, four walks. That gives him... Uh, his highest walk rate since 2011. It gives him 14 walks to 17 strikeouts in 15 and two-thirds over his last three starts. So you said you were a little concerned about it after his last start with Charlie Morton. How do you feel now after this four-walk start against the Rays, Charlie Morton? I mean, he's still uh, in, what, two of those three starts? The last two it was still a good line overall. Yeah. Still missing a lot of bats, still throwing hard. Uh, I'd worry about injury if those other things were going wrong for him too. I don't, I don't really know what's been up with the walks and he hasn't offered a good explanation as of yet. So I'm, it makes me uneasy, but I don't know what you can really do about it either. Yeah. I mean, he's not, it's not like Blake Snell who has a history of, of control problems. I mean, that's not really a big issue for, for Morton. Well, we don't want to get into history for Charlie Morton. Yeah, it's true. Uh, (laughs) Would you rather have Morton or Snell? I'd rather have Morton still. Okay. Uh, Morton or Bumgarner? Bumgarner. Jay Happ. Gave up four runs, but he only gave up two through eight innings. They put a couple men on base and departed in the ninth inning, and Ryan Tapera allowed them to score. So eight and a third, four runs. Uh, you know, as we've kind of outlined with, ha- with Happ, the swinging strikes have been way down since the first month of the season. This was 13 swinging strikes on 113 pitches, which is which is fine. Um, but in his previous nine starts, an 8% swinging strike rate. J-Hap's probably going to get traded. He's also at Houston and home against Detroit next week. What are your, your overall thoughts on Hap? I think it's been a little concerning how the swinging strikes have fallen. This start was fine. It was only his third start in the past 10, though with double-digit swinging strikes, which I said before on the podcast is kind of my cutoff for a good swinging strike game versus a bad swinging strike game, double digits. Um, but the results have still been fine. Like, I, 
he's kind of in that same class with like uh, Cole Hamill's Tanner Roark for me, where things have been going fine and there aren't a lot of pitchers who can give you that kind of length. So you're mostly happy, but you're 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 a little concerned the other shoe's going to drop at some point. For Jay Happ. So let's move on to Jake Arrieta. Now you can react, Scott. Jake Arietta's <laughs> droppable. What do you think? Uh, I mean, you know I've been down on Jake Arietta all year. Yeah. I'm not sure he's a good pitcher anymore. Strikeouts are down, swinging strikes way down after that started to happen last year. It's gone another step this year. But that's that's taking things too far, maybe in a 10-team league. I mean, he, he still has a 342 ERA on the year. Uh, for a good team. He's coming. This was a quality start he had. It was a quality start where he gave him two home runs and had only six swinging strikes. So it's, you know, I'm not clicking my heels over it, but, uh, it was a quality start after three not so great starts, but only one of them was a real disaster. Like, I think, I think he still has too much value in the broader sense to drop him. I would, First of all, coming off quality start, I think it's probably okay to shop him now. Yeah, because um, look at his not getting. If <laughs> you're not next getting week. next week is not, the Yankees and the Nationals, so like he uh, could get crushed twice, and then his trade value is gone. Yeah, that's yeah. You might want to shop him pretty hard right now if you really can't get anything but the kind of players you'd see on waivers. Then hold on to him and cross your fingers and hope he has a good start against one of those good offenses and shop him then. But I think just dropping him now is premature. Yeah, I mean, I could see it in a 10-team league where there's, like, someone really good out there. But I agree. I mean, I I, I wouldn't drop Arietta. I was just kind of being I, – I don't think it's crazy in a month that we're saying he's definitely droppable. But as of right now, it's a little premature. Rank these next three pitchers. Ross Stripling, John Lester, David Price. I wanted to come in here and give you this awesome like insight on John Lester because he really did not have a good start yesterday. Seven <laughs> scoreless innings, three walks, one strikeout. He got hit hard. The uh, basically the ball lived on the warning track. The wind was kind of blowing in, as, as the broadcasters were mentioning, or at least it wasn't blowing out. Let's say that, so it was favorable for Lester. It was not a good start despite seven scoreless innings. But Lester himself came out and was like, "Yeah, it was, yeah, just I didn't have anything today." So we can just give him an excuse. He really didn't have his best stuff, and he still managed seven scoreless innings. John Lester has a 210 ERA and a 1.09 whip. Uh, Ross Stripling had his worst start yesterday. Six innings, eight hits, three runs, no walks, seven strikeouts. That was his worst start. He's a 199 <laughs> ERA. And David Price uh, gave up two home runs, only struck out three twins. He still managed a quality start. How would you rank Stripling, Lester, and Price? Price, Lester, and Stripling. Though Lester's not far off from how I feel about Arietta. Like, you're not going to drop a player with Lester's track record who is consistently giving seven innings for a contending team and has a 210 ERA here almost halfway through the season. You're not doing that. But it's, uh, it's been a big drop in strikeout rate and swinging strike rate for him this year too. Not as extreme as Arietta, but big enough that you should have some concerns. So he's, I think he's an easier guy to sell high with, and uh, I'd be trying to do that now. Stripling's very interesting. He, you know, a lot of pitchers have good fastballs, and you worry about their secondary stuff. Stripling, I worry about his fastball. Um, but I just, you know, I I can't sit here and pretend I'm super concerned. It wasn't a great start for him yesterday. I made a point to watch this game. But he's just been so good that I think, you know, you give him a pass. And, and no walks, seven strikeouts in six innings. So that's a bad start for Stripling. So keep it going, Ross Stripling. All right, let's look at the fringes. Tell me who you want. Jake Junis. These are all two-star pitchers next week, I believe. Jake Junis, Felix Hernandez, Reynaldo Lopez, Jonathan Loizaga. Not 100% convinced he makes a second start. Lance Lynn, Frankie Montas, Nate Aldi. Jake Junis, Felix Hernandez. Ronaldo Lopez, Loizaga, Lynn, Montas, and Evaldi. Junis is my favorite by a considerable margin. And I know his ERA has kind of gotten skewed of late. Uh, one home run in this start after allowing three in each of the previous two. But there are still, uh, there's still a lot to like about him. Throws a lot of strikes, pitches deep into games. Uh, I wish the Royals weren't going to be a disaster, but he should still be okay. Uh, Reynaldo Lopez, this was the kind of start I was waiting for. 
Yeah. Like he, they, we need to see more of this from him, and then it'll it'll be more befitting of the way he's actually pitched this year. Yeah, he's not number two for you. So Junis is one. Who'd be number two? For me, it's Lance Lynn. There is. Frankie it probably Botas. technically was Reynaldo Lopez, even though oh, there was okay. a big gap between him and Junis. Uh, but Lance Lynn's in that same range. Like he's been obviously lowering his ERA. Uh, seven earned runs in his past six starts. But this was his second five walk start during that stretch. So yeah. it's still, I don't know that he's totally out of the woods yet. I think the five walks were against the, I know it was one was against the Red Sox last night. I think the other was against the Indians. Is that right? Not sure. Yeah, and I, I get it. You're not good enough to beat those teams. Just walk them. <laughs> Just you pick, know, I had around. somebody bring up an interesting point on Twitter related to Blake Snell. Who of course had what was it seven walks in his last start, yeah. and that was two bad walk starts in a row. He pointed out that those two bad walk starts were against the Yankees and Astros. Yeah, and that maybe it was semi-intentional, and that he was just being um, understandably careful with those hitters. Which you know is not something, not an angle I'd really considered. So maybe there's something to that. Do you get any uh, intrigue with Felix Hernandez after his last two starts? Red Sox and Yankees, two very good ones. I wouldn't say there's no intrigue, particularly in this start. He had 17 swinging strikes. Um, you know, his previous high was 12, but he did that in, in that other good start. So... Maybe he's starting to figure out how to make do with lesser stuff the way we've seen CC Sabathia do, but he still has a long way to go to regain my trust. Yeah, I just he's got no fastball. I didn't get to see too much of him last night, but I did watch his start against the Red Sox, and his curveball and his changeup were outstanding. But it just he's going to need that every time out because the fastball is just lacking. All right, deep leagues. Tyler Malley is twenty eight percent owned. Uh, he's at Atlanta and home against Milwaukee next week. Real quick, Scott, any interest in adding Tyler Malley at 28%? ERA is back below four, but not really. He's so fastball heavy, and uh, I think he took advantage of a favorable matchup against the Tigers. If you were going to take a flyer on Nico Goodrum or Jason Hayward, who apparently has made some uh, mechanical adjustment, and he's batting second lately, Jason Hayward, and he's been all right, uh, who would you prefer, <laughs> Goodrum or Hayward? Uh, Hayward. But there's been a lot of Hayward hype that I don't entirely understand. I've had multiple people ask me on Twitter, is this for real for Jason Hayward? Can we trust him again? And I look at the numbers, and I'm like, what is it you're excited about? He's been getting a lot of singles lately, I yeah. guess. Like, I don't I don't understand why so many people have been so eager to buy into him again. Uh, yeah, I could score a lot of runs if he's batting second. Um, yeah, but he's not really hitting with much authority. Some doubles, five doubles in his last 16 games. For Jason Hayward. Oh, six doubles, 16 games. Um, Shelby Miller, Jung Ho Gong, Adalberto Mondesi, Garrett Cooper. Shelby Miller, Jung Ho Gong, uh, Gong, Adalberto Mondesi, yeah, whatever I just said there. <laughs> and Garrett Cooper, are any of those guys mixed league material? So Matt Cook got sent down to AAA, so it sounds like Miller's going to start Monday, uh, which would line him up for two stars right off the bat. <laughs> You start him, you have nerves of steel coming off Tommy John surgery. But um, that'll definitely uh, be a good chance to test what he has now. I mean, he still has a killer fastball. And he wasn't must-own prior to this procedure, but you have to wonder how much, um, if there was health contributing to that in some way. I, I still think there's enough upside there that I could see taking a flyer on him. He's probably my favorite of this group. Scott, let's read some emails. Eight emails in four minutes. You're on the clock. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. This is from Matt. Dear Messi, Ronaldo, and Neymar. Those are soccer players, right? Yes, they are. I have Kendris Morales in a deep mixed roto league and I'm struggling for offense. I heard on MLB Network that Kendris Morales started wearing glasses in spring training this year, then ditched them in May. He is hitting 317 with an 813 OPS over the last calendar month. Uh, the 19th or the 19th. He also gained first base eligibility. Could you see Kendris Morales becoming a top 15 first baseman? I think he homered yesterday, too. Why would you get worse with glasses and better without them? I, I can't see him becoming top 15. There's just too many 
uh, too much competition there. And since Randall Gritchick's returned, the bats have mostly come at Morales' expense. This is Billy from Huntington Beach. Hey, Sean, Gus, Juliet, and Lassie. That is psych. Psych. Started okay. out as a pretty good show. Got pretty bad. Better <laughs> long-term keeper in a points league. Chris Bryant for 21 bucks or Aaron Judge for 10 bucks. Long-term. Bryant for 21 or Judge for 10. I mean, the price difference, uh, price is pretty good for both. But I, I think you gotta go Judge. From Brian, Arietta or Rich Hill, rest of season? Arietta. From TJ, with Rich Hill coming back, who do I drop? Rodon, Stripling, Alex Wood, or Luis Castillo? Or Rich Hill, I guess. Rodon, Stripling, Alex Wood, Castillo. Hmm. If you need more immediate help, I guess Rodon. I trust Rich Hill more in the short term, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he makes two or three starts and winds up right back on the DL. So I don't think that's like an obvious move to make. From Elliot in Berkeley, dear Richie, Chaz, Margo, and Royal. Ooh, I have no idea. <laughs> uh, I have been driven crazy by my streaky outfielders. Good stretches, bad stretches from Blackman, Pham, Hanniger, McCutcheon. I also have Muncie, Rosario, and Springer. So two of these guys need to be benched every night, and it kills me. I'm trying to ride the hot streaks and waiting for the right time to sell high on them. What should I do? Sell high on Rosario? Sell high on McCutcheon? Wait for Hanniger or Fam to get hot again and sell them? Can I bench Blackman? Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that. Yeah, actually, I have a very similar team, Elliot. I traded Mitch Hanniger for Josh Donaldson. People thought I lost that trade. That's fine. But um, I'm not all in on Hanniger like everyone else is. He hasn't been very good since May 1st. Been, he's been fine. So that was the guy that I targeted because I think a lot of people really like Hanager and I think you can get a lot for him. And, and you should. He's not, I'm, he, I'm not saying he's bad, but you can get a lot from, I don't know, yeah, I, what would you do, Scott, if you had Blackman, Pham, Hanager, McCutcheon, Muncie, Rosario, and Springer? First of all, Richie, Chaz, Margo, and Royal are Royal Tenenbaums. Oh. Um, which I guess Royal should have been the giveaway there. But, second, secondly, I would, try to meet some other need with one of these guys. And I wouldn't stress so much about which one should I give up. I'd give up the one that got me the best return. Because I, I more or less have confidence in all of them. But not My, Blackman or Springer. Well, because if you I, I do don't that, think that's an... Like, if you get an ace for one of them, if you can get an ace for one of them, sure. Depends like if you, you have obviously good have the depth to... To handle that. Yeah, that, so. you know what? Okay, that's true. I would be more likely to, to sell Blackman or Hanniger for a, a great hitter at another position, Blackman or Springer, because I don't know what your lineup is, but like I don't know that you have a good enough outfield, to be quite honest. You have a lot of solid players, but if you give up Blackman, all right, you know what? Fine. Just sell, you could sell one of those guys for, for a stud somewhere else. That might help you. Uh, dear Scott, Scott, and Scott, can you justify dropping Jonathan Scope or Jesus Aguilar for Domingo Herman in a head-to-head league? And he has his name is Scott, by the way. I I could justify dropping either for Domingo Herman in that format, and I think I might actually be more likely to drop Scope if you already have second base taken care of. It looks like he has Brian Dozier and D Gordon, so um, yeah, I'd be okay with that. I mean, Scope has better days ahead, but I don't think he's the standout many assumed he was coming into the year. Dear Duran Duran, Wet Wet Wet, Yeah Yeah Yeahs, and Everything Everything. I've only heard of two of those bands. This is Brandon from Florida. Um, would you acquire either Carmart or Madbum, given their struggles, or are you worried about the injury? And who's better rest of season in points leagues, Carmart or Madbum? I have more faith in Bumgarner at this point. I don't know why Carlos Martinez is... I, I don't know why he's he's said he's throwing softer because he's worried about getting injured again, and the Cardinals are somehow okay with that. Like that, yeah, he's still throwing pretty hard though. I think still that doesn't seem like a good situation. Honestly, that was two starts ago. I'm not sure if it's still the same, but you're right. It is. Well, the walks have been there, been so terrible. I don't know. Something's something's been up. And lastly, uh, I don't think we're going to get to this one, Andrew. You want us to discuss Juan Soto more in depth, and I think we should, and I think we'll save it for tomorrow. Let's finish the show 
with a look at today's baseball matchups. There are 10 games on the schedule, and I believe there are three day games. And I am unfortunately going to be on the air for Luis Severino against James Paxton, but you will start both of them. Uh, here are the matchups in the other games. Red Sox at Twins. Rick Porcello at Kyle Gibson. I will start just Porcello. If the matchup was better, I'd start Gibson too, but it's not. Uh, Steven Matz at Kyle Freeland. We're sitting him. Yeah. Well, you know what? Freeland's, now nah, at Colorado. Yeah, I guess we sit him. Diamondbacks at Pirates. Zach Godley at Chad Cool. I'm fine with both of those, actually. Kevin Gosman at Max Scherzer. Both is fine. What? Gosman? Yeah, I'd be okay with Gosman. Like, it's, it's kind of in a Chad Cool way. It's not like he's must-start, but, um, you know, uh, two, two pretty good, coming off two pretty good starts. Yeah, I know, and I but, still think but the he's, start before I, that was, was against a good team. He, he's not good against good teams. Six runs no. at the Red Sox, five runs against the Yankees. His two good starts were at Toronto and home against Miami. But against Cleveland back on April 23rd. Hey, Cleveland could not hit back then. It was like 30 <laughs> degrees. Cleveland was bad that month. Don't start him if you don't want to. I, I will I, not I be. be afraid to, though. Three leagues I have Gosman. I'm not starting him in any. Uh, okay. Kyle Hendricks at Matt Harvey. I would start Hendricks. Carlos yeah, absolutely Mart- not Harvey. Yeah, Carlos Martinez at, Bla- at Brent Suter. I don't think you can trust. I, I don't think you can start Martinez right now. Chris Bassett at Lucas Giolito. Nope. And uh, Aaron Sanchez at Tyler Skaggs. I'll start Skaggs. Tyson Ross at Madison Bumgarner. Both seats. All right. That is Scott White. Thank you for listening, everybody. We're back tomorrow. We'll help you get your lineup set for the upcoming scoring period. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, so I would just say upcoming scoring period 14. 14. There you go. Uh, Thank you, Scott, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.